This is a HeadGum Podcast. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Your specific facts will almost always change the outcome, and you should always seek an attorney before doing anything. Literally anything. Ryan Morrison is an attorney licensed in New York, and Austin and O'Connor are just normal humans not licensed to do anything anywhere. Proceed with caution. Hello and welcome to Robot Congress. I'm Ryan Morrison. And there is no Austin Hoffman this week. For three weeks, you guys did a show without me while I traveled around. Then for uh, last week, I did a show with just Austin. And this week, just me and you, buddy, as Austin's not here today. Yeah. Austin's been calling it the tripod when we work together. I really don't like that term, though. The tripod. Today, we're a bipod. Is it better I was going to say duopod? And I'm like, that's clearly wrong. No, we could be a duopod. Duopod. Uh, but it is Halloween, and we have the uh, once every however many years luxury of releasing this episode on the day of Halloween. So it's a spooky episode. And this week we're going to be talking about a couple of things. First, we're going to go through some Halloween-related lawsuits that really stood out to us because they're either funny or absolutely awful. And the other thing is we're going to answer some important questions that I know really just everyone wants to know and everyone stays up awake at night thinking about it. One, did the Scooby-Doo villains actually commit any crimes? Two, can ghosts own copyrights? And three, do you have to disclose if your house is haunted when you want to sell it? First, we're going to run through some lawsuits that you found related to Halloween and let's get cracking. What's number one? I'm going to start off big with my favorite one. Ferlito v. Johnson & Johnson Products, Incorporated. In 1984, Frank and Susan Ferlito dressed up as Little Bo Peep in her lost... Did he dress up as all the sheep or just the one sheep? Did Little Bo Peep only have one lost sheep, or did she miss her whole flock? Well, if we're going to go by Toy Story ruling, she had three. What about the nursery rhyme? I, I, I don't know that I know it perfectly. I would think that she has a couple. Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep, right? Isn't sheep plural? And singular? Yeah, it's like Musai. <laughs> Musai. All right, continue. So he dressed up as one sheep. Yes. And he used Johnson & Johnson cotton balls to make his sheep costume. <laughs> of course. And just like you, he's a dirty... How many cotton balls would that take? Was he covered or was it just a mask or what? Oh, I think the exact term was from his ankle to his neck. That's a lot of cotton balls. Well, it's 1984. How much did cotton balls cost? Uh, fair enough. So just like you, he's a dirty smoker. So when he went outside to get a cigarette... I'm quitting. You're, oh, you're quitting? I thought you had quit. I quit, I mean. I quit. Don't smoke. Anyone who listens to this, don't smoke. Okay, so Frank goes outside and uh, attempts to light a cigarette with a butane lighter. And shockingly, the cotton balls get caught on fire, <laughs> causing him to have burns to over one-third of his body. Cotton balls are super flammable, so he just, he just lit up. But they don't burn long, so he it was probably just like a a scary thing more than a, a uh, he's on fire thing, right? I mean, it burns covering one third of his body. I mean, it's all right. Never mind. That's not good. He didn't go into specifics. It wasn't. They didn't say like first, second, or third degree. But <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I mean, it, it, no no matter what degree, burn, burns on a third of your body are never going to be fun. Just like uh, that lady who sued McDonald's for the hot coffee, he's going to... That story's not real. It is real. It's not real. It's not how we all talk about it, though. She no. didn't just, oh, the coffee's hot. 
I, I, I actually looked that up as part of this. She, not to digress, but she did sue McDonald's. She didn't get as much as anybody thought that she would, but McDonald's was selling coffee at a really high temperature because normally at the time they would sell it to you at that high temperature so when you got to work you could drink it freely. But now they serve it to you at a much lower temperature because of that lawsuit as well. Yeah, and also she was a nice lady who was just trying to have her medical bills covered because we live in America and she didn't have good insurance. Uh, that's all she wanted. She wasn't asking for millions of dollars. She wasn't saying it was McDonald's fault. And, and it was just a matter where I guess she was. But it was a matter of, hey, you know, I, I don't have the right insurance to cover everything. Help me with these medical bills. You are the ones that serve 200 degree coffee or whatever it was. Uh, much more reasonable than the picture, the story everybody tells themselves. But this one's not reasonable. If you're going to light yourself on fire, I don't think you should blame the cotton ball company. Well, it's just like if you own a cotton T-shirt, should there be a, a, a little thing on there that goes like, hey, this could get this is this could be flammable. Like, yeah. well, so what happened here? I mean, you 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 look these up. I haven't had time to run through them all. Johnson and Johnson in court. Uh, he was he and his wife, Frank and Susan, were found to be 50 percent at fault, meaning that Johnson Johnson was also found to be at fault and were awarded six hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. That's incredible. So when you when you talk about percentages of fault there, that's a negligence lawsuit. Uh, and you can have something called contributory negligence, which in most traffic accidents, you'll see that in, in, where it's both people's fault and they assign a percentage uh, of that fault to each person. Uh, contributory negligence here, I think, is ludicrous, especially to say 50 – this was half Johnson & Johnson's fault. What was the rationale behind it? I, it uh, you're saying – oh, excuse me. Mr. Felito's specific argument was that he would not have used the cotton balls if there was a flammability warning on the bags. <laughs> so so this, this should be touted then as the McDonald's hot coffee story because this is stupider. Uh, Mr. Ferlito doesn't deserve a dollar. He lit himself on fire. I mean, I feel bad for him. I, I wish fire upon no man. But Jesus, I mean, you you smoke a cigarette covered in cotton balls. Just be careful where you're lighting the lighter. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why he was awarded anything. That's ridiculous. The next one comes from my own business partner, Michael Lee, the Lee and Morrison Lee. Uh, he has a blog called Pirated Thoughts, if anyone wants to check it out. And every year he writes quite a few on Halloween-themed issues. Uh, and we're going to talk about two of them. The first one is a man hurt running away from a fake chainsaw killer in a haunted house, tripped, broke his wrist, sued the haunted house for the uh, injuries and for being afraid and everything else. Also, as an aside, if you hear dogs barking, it's because O'Connor and I are both recording from home and uh, just pretend they're ghost dogs. Uh, but oh, in 2000, Deja's 13. She's going to be a ghost dog. Xander's 11. Stop. We've, no more joking about that. In 2011, Scott Griffin attended the Haunted Trail, an outdoor haunted house uh, in San Diego's Balboa Park. The attraction features patrons walking through dark spaces and then costume actors jumping out of the dark, holding prop knives, chainsaws, everything else. If anyone's ever been to a haunted house, you have an idea of what this is. Uh, the haunted houses aren't what you went to as a kid. Now, now they're they're much more theatrical and there's there's scary lights everywhere. They they really they really get you. And there's a lot of jump scares. And here was no different. Uh the, uh, Mr. Griffin went through, had a good time. He was giggling and laughing even by his own self-admission. And there was the end to the haunted house where he went outside and he said, good, I'm done. Great. I made it through. And he was laughing with all his friends. What they didn't realize was that was not the end of the haunted house. That was the fake end. And a guy in a giant in a mask with a giant chainsaw ran around from the corner and ran after him. Griffin uh, started running like a bat out of hell and the actor chased him. 
And during their pursuit, Griffin fell and hurt his wrist. I don't even think he broke it to clarify what I said earlier, but he, he sprained his wrist, let's say. Yeah, he, he's just, you know, he got scared and he fell. Uh, not the, the most charming minute of his life, I'm sure. But he got up and he said, well, this is a, a, an outrage. Just, there's an injustice here. I'm suing you. He went to court and actually sued for negligence and assault. So it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing to see here. And the court said, you know, not only is the risk of a haunted house inherent, but the attraction even warns patrons at the orientation that if you run, you will get chased. The website for the attraction also warns about some hazardous obstacles in the park, including tree roots and rocks. So, hey, if you're going to run, you're going to get chased and you'll probably trip. That was warned everywhere. And in the 14 years of the Haunted Trail, over 250,000 patrons have attended the event. Fifteen of them have fell, which I do not know how they had that recorded. How but do you I know that? Because there's security cameras and maybe they just kind of mark it down and, and they, oh, you know, there's a route there. Let's take care of it. Whatever. But 15 people have fell. Only Griffin is sued over it. And uh, Griffin did not win. Good. It, well, Griffin went to the appellate court and he said, I'm not going to take this line down, even though he started lying down. Well, that joke, that joke, that <laughs> joke. Uh, but he went to the appellate court and the appellate court upheld the ruling saying that. The risk of being scared in a haunted house is, is uh, not something you're going to be able to sue over. And uh, not only that, but the the uh, appellate court said that Griffin would have to pay the legal fees for the haunted trail. So Griffin actually wound up costing himself probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know the exact dollar amount, uh, but it's just pretty incredible that he thought he had a quick, you know, quick ride to cash here. And instead, he wound up costing himself an, an infinite amount of money. Go into like a steakhouse and getting mad. There's not a, a, a plethora of vegetarian options. Like it's like going to a haunted house and suing them for being scared. It's, it's just so dumb. Yes, well, people are dumb, uh, and as we will see in the next one too, where where uh, we are talking about hollow wine. Easy name to come up with, but hey, trademarks, uh, again, trademarks are not copyrights. Trademarks protect your name, your logo, or your slogan. Uh, McDonald's, the name is a trademark. McDonald's, the Golden Arches, is a trademark. Both are protectable, and what it's there to protect us as the consumer, not McDonald's. Trademarks are there, so when I see those Golden Arches, I know I'm getting a McDonald's quality burger. And that's a weird analogy because it's not like that's the highest quality burger, but at least I know it's going to be McDonald's. It's not going to be, you know, Sal's Burger Shop stealing that logo and pretending to be McDonald's. You can't do that. If the consumer is confused, uh, your trademark is infringing. So McDowell's from Coming to America would have been sued. Yeah, exactly. And uh, hollow wine here is is the name of a wine. It's a Halloween themed wine. And again, it's not the most creative name, but with trademarks, it is first to use. So Door Peninsula Winery is a Wisconsin company that began selling and distributing the spiced apple wine called Hollow Wine in 1998. In 2005, Illinois River Winery, another winery, obviously, came out with a, a, a completely different wine, but the same name called Hollow Wine. They put in the trademark. Now, putting in that trademark, uh, the examiner at the trademark office looked around and saw that the Peninsula Winery was already selling a, a hollow wine. They were denied. And the Peninsula Winery was able to block them and, and basically came in and said, in 2005, Illinois River Winery also got into the, the apple spiced wine business and began selling their own hollow wine and not the same recipe. I think different version doesn't matter. The recipe wouldn't be covered under trademark. Uh, but the trademark here was the same. It was hollow wine. Now, keep in mind, Door Peninsula used it first in 1998. Illinois River Winery started using it in 2005. 
They went to the trademark office. They saw there was no registered trademark. So they said, great, we're going to put in the trademark and we're going to own this. So trademarks are not for in America anyway, our first to use, not first to file. So even though Illinois River Winery filed first, they, they started using it in 2005 and Door Peninsula Winery started using it in 1998. As such, Door Peninsula Winery was able to block Illinois River Winery's trademark. And basically, they were granted the rights to it. The, the trademark office. I, like it, I agree with you. It's it's absolutely the right way it should be. Uh, now, again, this is so much more expensive. So anyone out there with a business relying on this and thinking you'll be able to block someone eventually, there's two ways that that's not true. The first is you don't get a notification when someone else files a trademark with one of your product names. So unless you're going to sit there and search the USPTO every month. Uh, you're probably not going to know it exists, and you're probably not going to be able to block the other company from registering. Uh, if somebody puts in an application, you have an opportunity to oppose it, and if they get the actual trademark and you were first use or, or something else, you have an ability to cancel it. But both of those are so much more expensive, thousands and thousands and thousands more expensive than just registering your trademark in the first place. So Door Peninsula Winery wins here, but they should have registered first and saved themselves a lot of this headache up front. Uh, I don't know. They they might just be like a small like one or two man startup and not know like exactly what requ- is required of them. For sure, and that's why the point of this podcast is is we deal with a lot of startups and a lot of startups listen to this. So I want them to know that register your trademark. Don't 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 do what Door Peninsula Winery did. They won out here, but they normally wouldn't have. I, I don't think so anyway. Uh, it's usually a very expensive and long battle. Here, though, the the, uh, the imagery was so exactly the same that the trademark office – or sorry, the word was so exactly the same. The trademark office had a easy go of it, uh, and they told the Illinois winery that you can no longer produce it. Illinois winery said, okay, but then they kept producing it. They did not care. Uh, they, they kept selling it and, and uh, absolutely didn't stop at all. I guess they were doing really well with it, and they didn't – think that the little Door Peninsula Winery would come after them, but Door Peninsula Winery did come after them, and they won $508,000 in damages. Uh, that's How did come up with those like specific numbers? Like, Why wouldn't it be just 500000 Because the 508 is, is damages, so that means that they were – that's probably how much they sold while they were doing it. Uh, they, they're going to go th- when you get sued for something like this. That's why trademark intellectual property in general is so serious. If you're sued for damages or you're sued for for uh, infringement, copyright or trademark, they're going to come and they're going to look through your bank records. They're going to look through everything and they're going to make sure that, you know, every bottle you sold is going to the other party if the other party is successful. Uh, so be careful with that. That, yeah, the, that makes sense. Now, again, just like the other case, Illinois Winery took this to the Court of Appeals, and the Court of Appeals said, absolutely not. We agree with the lower court once again. And the Illinois company once again said, okay, and they gave a thumbs up. They paid their $508,000, and then they went to go sell it still. Uh, they didn't stop. Uh, what they did was they changed the bottle a little, and they made it hallow. Then they put apple, spice, wine, apple and spice in between it and then under it, wine. If you go to morrisonlee.com uh, slash pirated thoughts, you'll see – or just Google that. You'll see the uh, bottle on, on Michael's article, and it's it's funny. I, you can see what their thought process was and why they thought they'd get away with this, but they absolutely didn't. And when they got caught doing it this time, the judge said that the uh, the new logo and the new bottle had to be removed from all distributors and retailers, no longer sold anywhere – and that Illinois pay all the profits, every dollar made from the wine for 2014 and 2015 to the uh, Door Winery, plus its attorney's fees. 
That is insane. I don't know what they were doing. You can see from the first bottle to the second bottle why they thought they would get away with it. But if they talked to an attorney about that and, the, and an attorney said, yeah, good move. This is worth a half a million dollar gamble after they just paid a half a million dollars. That attorney should be, uh, you know, disbarred. That's not that's not good legal advice. And uh, who knows? It's it's. Yeah, well, because think about it. If you're going to go shop and you see hollow, what's that thing in the middle? Wine. I'm like, all right, that's hollow wine. I'm going to go buy this. Like, it, it, no one's going to read that middle section there. They knew what for they were sh- doing. For sure. And they just thought the name was cute. And honestly, so do I. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, and like I said, it's not a very creative name. It's a very easy name. I'm sure there's 30 other companies that, that sell something similar, but uh doesn't matter. These guys got caught and they got told to stop doing it and they didn't. And that's that. Man, but they must be making bank if they own the, the entire Hollow Wine thing. Yeah, because I just Googled Hollow Wine, and there's uh, events called Hollow Wine. There's uh, other companies selling Hollow Wine that would seemingly all be from the same main distributor. Uh, if I go on the shopping link, there's a million shirts that say Happy Hollow Wine and Hollow Wine Pillows. It's it, Like I said, it's not a very creative name, but – that's not the test for trademarks. You know, trademark, they have the trademark, so, and they're willing to enforce it. So I would be careful to anybody using Hollow Wine, which is seemingly everyone from the page 80 I'm on of the Google search results. <laughs> yeah, but, it, like, are they really going to – It's there's a lot – I think there's a difference between making a pill that says, like, Happy Hello Wine on it as opposed to, like, a, another company out there trying to trick people into buying their wine that says Hollow – and then a little sentence underneath it, and then wine underneath that. It seems like the, it, one's well, two, two, two. Yeah, but I mean, two thoughts. There's absolutely a difference because uh, shirts and merchandise and pillows are all different classes of goods than wine is, and and trademarks are broken up into classes of goods. Uh, like for example, Apple brand computers are their trademark, but if you want to make Apple brand uh, peach smoothies, they don't have protection over that. Uh, so the the trick here, though, is I disagree with the other part. I don't think they were trying to trick anyone into thinking they were related to the other company. I think they just thought it was a cute name and it was helping things sell well, like they just saw profits from it. Uh, But that doesn't matter because the court doesn't look at it that way. The court says, would a consumer be confused between the source of these two products? And if yes, then the person who has the rights to the trademark is going to win and the other party's infringing. And that's it. That's what happened here. Three times. Three times. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just got to thug life your way into paying a million dollars in damages. Have you heard of HelloFresh? HelloFresh is a meal delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers awesome step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy it. Uh, You can choose your delivery day for when it works best for your busy schedule. All the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits. Uh, You know which ingredients go with which recipe. You can pause the account for weeks at a time when you're not there. Uh, It gets delivered right to your door in recyclable insulated packaging. HelloFresh offers a variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. They're pretty awesome And they come in classic veggie or family plans. You can get meat, you can get fish, you can get vegetarians. HelloFresh makes it easy to cook delicious balanced dinners for less than $10 a meal, which is awesome if you're cooking for a family or even if you're just cooking for one or two people. You can try things that you would never think to cook on your own and enjoy eating outside of your comfort zone because that's something that I love to do. There's lots of one-pot recipes for seriously speedy cooking and minimal cleanup because cleaning dishes is a pain in the butt. Use coupon code Congress. 
30. That's Congress 3-0. It is so easy to cook these meals. They are easy to follow, and they're freaking awesome. Personally, my favorite was the sesame beef tacos. Uh, they have pickled vegetables in them. They are a, a fresh, fantastic take on tacos. Oh, and it's the only place that I enjoy cilantro. Visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code Congress30. That is Congress30 for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. HelloFresh is so easy and tasty. I'm so happy that I got the chance to try it out. Only All right, so what's the next one on your list? This one's not as not as uh, grave as the other one, but it is very funny. In 2009, a woman named Christy Elizabeth Deaton was taken to court by her neighbor, Ellen Salama, with whom she was having a feud. Why do you ask? Well, come Halloween time, Ms. Deaton created a fake headstone on her yard for Ms. Salama that read... At 48, she had no mate, no date. It's no debate. She looks 88. She met her fate in a crate. Now we celebrate 1961 to 2009. <laughs> That's, that is not the source of their feud. That is the end of their feud. Where, she just killed that poor woman. What? what, what? <laughs> Even better, she had fake road signs posted on her yard that pointed to Miss Salama's house that read Insane Asylum. Battyville, Signal 20. What is Signal 20? Signal 20 is the emergency dispatcher's code for a mentally ill person. Oh my god. So, Jesus Christ, I don't like my neighbor, exactly. but that's that's next level. Did uh, And we don't know why, why this started. I mean, like I said, she must. this is not the start of the feud. She must have slept with her husband or something. I it doesn't say how it started, but uh, yeah, Miss Salama responded with a lawsuit for libel and slander. As you would. I mean, that's that, at 48. She had no mate, no date. It's no debate. She looks 88. She met her fate in a crate. Now we celebrate. Yeah, that's that's certainly lawsuit worthy. Uh, that's great. Now, libel and slander. I don't know. Sometimes these articles just get it wrong, but you know, one well, of them actually, is spoken and one is posted the link to what the difference between libel and slander is in there. So, I... well, so she was going around, I guess, saying things also. But regardless, they settled out of court, so we don't know. Uh, we don't know what would have happened with this one, but it's certainly a, a very good Halloween case. There, yeah, and the worst part is this, like this is apparently somewhat common because I found at least two or three other styles of this. Like there was another guy in uh, in in Illinois that. Uh, was posting ones for all of his neighbors on there, and, but he got a little more violent than this lady did. Like clearly, this was this is as harsh as you could get. I was gonna say, there's no way at least he went this bad. No, he went worse. He was like, uh, like ha ha ha. He, he uh, he's gonna wipe that stupid grin off his face, you know. Except where he's going, there's nothing to laugh about anymore. Oh, so this these weren't even like he wasn't lighting them on fire. He was actually threatening to light them on fire. Yeah, it was just, no, it was just like he's going to hell. Like, this guy's, like, uh, but he did one for, like, each of his neighbors, and then the cops come along and t make him take them down, and he tried suing the cops for freedom of speech. Well, Michelle, uh, the Michelle Carter case, where he created an imminent threat by threatening every single one of his neighbors with the with the violent headstones, so yeah, the I, I so, had the right to take it down. Which I don't agree with, to be I mean, listen, I don't know all the facts, but just knowing the story as you're telling it, I don't agree that there was any imminent threat there. But that is the that is when threats are actionable by the police. There has to be an imminent threat, uh, not even just Michelle Carter. That's just threats in general. If, if I say, you know, O'Connor, I'm going to kill you, probably nothing's going to happen. 
if I say I'm going to come to your house tonight and kill you, that's actionable. And I know it's a, it's a silly difference, but there has to be a line, and that's the line. Uh, and I don't think those gravestones probably crossed that line, but they also just wanted them to take them down. And sometimes you got to flub the law a little bit when you're the cops. I get it. I know, but because uh, the guy brought the cops to court and he lost. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think just everyone agreed he shouldn't have those. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but again, this sounds like something you would do. Oh, me? Yeah. Absolutely. I know. I could see you doing this in two seconds, just making the gravestones that are passive-aggressively just absolutely shitting on all your neighbors. Oh, I, I can't wait, though, in a house so I can do these kind of things. <laughs> do one for all of you guys. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, do you have another lawsuit you want to go through? It was uh, like a lady told her son to go outside because she thought she saw a giant skunk. And it turned out that the giant skunk was one of her was her like nephew dressed up in like a skeleton costume. And the kid shot him with a shotgun. That's not funny. You were laughing as you started telling that. (laughs) Well, I prefaced it with that one's not as funny. It's more kind of sad. I can't help if I It's not kind of sad. It's sad. He he... He only got like abdominal injuries. That's, he got shot with the shotgun. <laughs> Fair enough. Don't judge uh, me. No, it's I, hey, I, I, to each their own. Who thought uh, an eight-year-old looked like a giant skunk? <laughs> All right. Well, so we talked about uh, trademarks and we talked about them surrounding Halloween a little bit. Let's talk about copyrights now. Again, trademarks protect your your name, logo, slogan. Copyrights protect anything that's fixed in a tangible medium. So uh, if you squiggle a line on a chalkboard, that's a copyright. If you write a script, that's a copyright. If you draw a picture, that's a copyright. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, you get instantaneous copyright on anything you do. So if you if you do a doodle, you have a copyright on that doodle. Uh, The point of registering a copyright is it allows you to sue someone else for infringement. You have to be registered to do that. You don't have to be registered to have the copyright, though. Uh, And there's a lot of powers that come with just having the copyright even without registration. That'll be another episode. But more importantly, our government has answered the question, can a ghost own a copyright? Without... Without looking, what do you think? Yes or no? I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with. You're, if you're bringing this up to me, I'm going to say that ghosts can. <laughs> so ghosts cannot own a copyright, oh. and it's actually. It is actually. Guess whose fault that is? Monkeys. What? Yes. I don't even know where to begin. Like like. Alabama. Ghosts can't own copyright because of monkeys. Allow me to explain. So. A photographer, and this this picture became pretty famous, so if you Google it, you'll see it. A photographer left his camera unattended in a national park in Indonesia, and uh, a black McKay, I think it's pronounced monkey, got a hold of the camera and took a series of pictures, including some self-portraits. And the pictures were featured online, and Wikipedia, I believe, was the the website that uh, put it up in their kind of free domain database. And the photographer said, whoa, 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 that's my picture I have copyright on that. You cannot put that up. And he issued a takedown request, and he, he sued Wikipedia. Uh, Wikipedia said, you do not have copyright on this. The monkey does. And the monkey took a selfie with your camera. It doesn't matter. It's your camera. The monkey is the author of the photo, and the monkey owns the uh, the, the photo. Oh, come and, and Well, that is that is the law. The the uh, the human just because you own a camera doesn't if if I take a picture with your camera I own that copyright so here a monkey took a picture with his camera and the copyright office kind of didn't know what to do on this one so they had to update their rules and they went pretty ham with it they they didn't want to be caught off guard again so this is their response 
The office will not register works produced by nature, animals, or plants. Likewise, the office cannot register a work created by divine or supernatural beings, although the office... Although the office may register a work where the application or the deposit copies state that the work was inspired by a divine spirit. So they've categorically said God, angels, ghosts, demons cannot get a copyright, as cannot monkeys. And the, the monkey is robots, if we're going to go for all that. What if you have an android? Robots are robots are going to be a whole other argument, and artificial intelligence in general is going to have to make us reexamine a lot of laws. But the office will not register works produced by nature, animals, plants, supernatural beings, or divine creatures. So there you go. Ghosts cannot own a copyright. I don't know if the guy who typed up that that ruling was either laughing to himself hysterically. Or like, <laughs> no, I just want to make sure that we're one hundred percent clear on this. Ghosts yeah, are not well, allowed to own these things. And, and that's true. So, well, hold on. They can own the copyright. They can't register a copyright. That's the difference. So the monkey here owns the copyright to that photo. The, the photographer lost the argument, but the monkey cannot register that co- that copyright and therefore cannot sue anyone. So if you're a ghost, you can create all the artwork you want and you can own it and you can stop people from uh, posting it in various places, but you cannot sue over it because it's not registered. Make sense? Also, the real sad part of this is who sues <laughs> Wikipedia? Come on. Well, the guy had a really famous – and again, I don't know it's exactly Wikipedia. I'd have to look a little deeper into seeing what it was. But it was put in like a Wikipedia uh, free domain of pictures. And this it was this guy's bread and butter. He said – you know, and his, his argument is very sensible. He said, I spent – 30 grand going on this trip and getting these pictures. And this was the most successful one. Everybody wants it. Uh, it's, it's, it's with my camera. It's on my trip. I, I went in the, the, uh, the park there and I, I was the only reason this existed. I came home. I, I, uh, I color shaded it. I, I printed it. I, I put it up, you know, I developed it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is mine. And the, the, the copyright office said, no, it's not. And that's that, uh, and that goes to for everybody. So we deal with a lot of cosplay uh, models at our law firm and at our agency, and it's it becomes an issue quite often on their pictures over who owns their copyright. Uh, selfies that they took, they own. But if they hired a photographer without the right contract, that photographer owns the copyright, even if the only thing in that picture is our client. And people don't really get or understand that. I know we talked about it on the copyright episode with Stella, and I recommend people go and look at that or listen to that. But uh, that's that's the long and short of it. The uh, Stella, it can own a copyright. Monkeys and ghosts cannot. Okay. Now, this might be a really dumb question, but because the photo was taken in Indonesia that has no bearing on, like, the, the U.S. Patent Office, like... Copyright. Don't... I'll kill you. It's patents are another thing. No, don't say whatever. It's a different thing. Copyright, trademarks, and patents. But but we're helping teach the, the the public that we don't use these words interchangeably. So patent is different than copyright is different than trademark. And now we all the more you know whatever. <laughs> uh, the photo being taken in Indonesia has no bearing on the circumstance. Well, it might bear on Indonesia copyright, but in the U.S. Copyright Office, the ghost cannot own a trademark. Tra- ghosts might be able to own tra- – uh, sorry, not, they can't register a trademark. Ghosts might be able to register trademarks in the EU and elsewhere. I, I'm not sure that they've even addressed the subject. I don't think – But uh, well, ridiculous. well, <laughs> now we know. And uh, we don't have to have the question later on. Trade dollars are spent so we can make sure that ghosts cannot own copyrights. We spend our dollars on a lot more stupid things than this. I'm actually glad they put this here because 
you know there's going to be someone eventually arguing, hey, you know, I didn't write this. God wrote this through me, so I want to put the copyright in God's name. Nope, you can't. Sorry. Only if it was inspired by God. God can't be the author. And so there you go. Uh, and last but not least on our lovely Halloween episode that we threw together and we're obviously jumping all over the place because we have no rhyme or reason and we've been by just based on the, who's hosting this show every week we obviously are all over the place and we're all getting our lives back together i promise a return to normal scene uh after blizzcon that's when my life gets a lot more sane but today uh we when i tweeted this out asking for for what people want to know about halloween related legal items the most common tweet i got was are the bad guys in scooby-doo actually criminals is there have they committed any actual crimes or are they just wearing a mask and scaring people uh o'connor what do you think uh, well, the pie chart that I saw, it seems like the, the amount of things that they actually did that were crime versus just annoying people, it seems like they were just annoying people a lot and telling people so, to get off their lawn. Well, so, but that's, that, well, that's not entirely true either. Uh, while many of the Scooby-Doo villains were involved in schemes such as counterfeiting, burglary, robbing banks, stealing artifacts, kidnapping, etc. I mean, Daphne got kidnapped every other episode. Uh, criminal terrorizing and intimidation are a crime in most states, although usually a misdemeanor is still a crime. And if the land they're trying to scare someone off of is not theirs, as it is in most episodes, it's usually like old man McGreary wants to scare everyone off his his competitor's farm. Uh, squatting can be thrown in as well. So there's a lot of different uh, uh, ways to, to really go after these guys. And I don't I, I don't know any episodes where someone wasn't liable for something. Okay, but I don't know if sending a talking dog and a stoner out to try to stop these people is necessarily the best way of handling things. Well, but look at look at the villains. There was the time that the 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 ghost animals. Remember them? They uh, th this guy covered all of his animals, his exotic animals from the zoo, in fluorescent paint so he could ship them back to Africa, and and he convinced them all that they were ghost animals, and everybody was too scared. But Scooby got painted in the fluorescent paint also and shaggy loved him too much to let him go so he saved him and realized all the animals were covered in it so without the stoner and the dog we might all those animals might have been kidnapped and the worst part is like these celebrities show up to help them like batman and robin it's like imagine if like batman and robin stop old man mcgree be like dude like the entire metropolis is on fire and gotham city's burning down to the ground and the joker's on the loose he's like yeah but dude we had to stop old man mcgree with shaggy and scooby it's like the hell or the Harlem I, globetrotters like why would I, they help Sometimes you got to do it. I looked up the uh, the one of my old the, the first episode that popped into my mind. I looked up and it was the one where where the guy is like an electric monster and he just walks around and and, and when they figure it out, he's wearing a suit that has a ten thousand volt like electric charge that makes him look like a, a, a an electric yeti and he's he's walking around scaring people and the goal of it was so he could get money because he was broke, but that suit would cost a hundred grand easy. Like, it's just – he should be arrested for criminal insanity. Uh, it's just stupid. It, it, but that's that's Scooby-Doo. Uh, it Honestly, never my show. I was never a huge fan. What Did you watch it a lot growing up? Scooby-Doo? Uh, yeah. I watched a couple. I usually watch, like, the Scooby-Doo and Friends where they teamed up with someone else because I – I, they always it was always the same thing. Daphne and and Fred always went off on their own, and then it was always Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby that had to go handle it. And then don't even, and when Scrappy showed up, I just I, I didn't want to watch it. He's, See, I only like Scrappy. Scrappy Scrappy's was the best. Really annoying. Puppy power. Ooh, he runs <laughs> in and gets in trouble. I, no one likes him. 
That's right. What was your favorite uh, Halloween or horror video game? Horror video game? Because I'm not big on horror games at all. I was one of the few people that got to download and try out PT when it was out, and that was terrifying. What's PT? PT was what um, Guillermo del Guillermo gig. You know who I'm trying to get to. Guillermo del Toro made with Hideo Kojima, the guy who made uh. Silent, uh, that was going to do Silent Hills with Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead. They did this thing called PT, which was called, which is short for Playable Trailer, which was supposed to be like the lead into the new Silent Hill that Hideo Kojima was going to make, and it was terrifying. It was like a half hour long, and it was just like a guy walking down a hallway, and you don't think that that could be scary, but it's terrifying. Yeah, I mean the, the games that games can be scary. So the the only games I've played that are horror games are. Uh, the first one I ever played was Resident Evil 2, and the first time I ever got scared in my life, I think, was when the zombie jumps through the the, the shotgun store owner's window, and the, you, it's just like game time, uh, and, and like you have to save the owner, or you can save the owner, but not me. I was crying. I was terrified. And 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 uh, what should I call it? The uh, Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games ever, and then uh, Fear. Fear is another one of my favorite games ever, and that's definitely a scary game, uh, at least for the time it came out. I doubt it holds up, but Fear was terrifying to me, and uh, also great gameplay and great story. I really liked it, and maybe I should play more horror games. I've only played two, and I like them both, but I, I don't usually do things to be scared. I don't even like horror movies. My, my business partner, Michael Lee, has uh, Michael Myers tattooed on him. He's obsessed with horror movies, and it's just – it's not my bag. I like comedies. <laughs> but I do like some scary games, like – I played one called Stories Untold, which is like a text-based adventure game, but it's written in, like, modern times. Like, you know, like, the old ones, like King's Quest, where it's like, t pick up people yeah. and you type it in, like, in the old school Max. Like, this is, like, you playing a text-based adventure, so it's, like, a third-person removal from that. And you think, like, oh, how could a text-based adventure game be scary? Play the I do think that. Play the, play the first one of that. It's, it's I do think that. Chapters. How old were you? Uh, 30. Oh, you played it recently. No, it just came, no, no. It's a throwback to the old school ones, but it's not an actual old school one. It, I will try it. I can't imagine that's scary. Five dollars on Steam, and I think the I, first chapter. I'll is give free. it a whirl. It's terrifying. I'll give it a whirl. Uh, all right, for everyone listening, if you're still with us, I know this episode is a little all over the place. Uh, what you gonna call it? The we are starting a Destiny Two clan and we're gonna give you the details probably next week and we want to play with all of you and and uh go kill the vex i vec what are they i don't know i'm learning i'm not a there's destiny a guy but i'm getting guys. into it there's a lot of but it, it's fun as heck and the fallen the vex turn everything into rectangles right and they drink a lot of milk what <laughs> and the vex planet everything's a rectangle and there's just like milk lakes everywhere so they're the rectangle milk bad guys, and that's that's Is just what you get out of video games. Yeah, stop maybe. playing when you haven't slept in forty eight hours. <laughs> stop the milk bad guys in the rectangle lands. They're trying to turn me into a rectangle, and it's not going to happen. Not on my watch. But you can follow me on Twitter at Mr Ryan Morrison. Can't follow me at all, so don't even try. And you can follow the show at Robot underscore Congress. Make sure that you rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Five stars only. Thank you. No, what, what? Honest reviews. No, five stars only, please. It helps us a lot. And honestly, listen, we get thousands of downloads and we have like 50 reviews on there. Y'all a bunch of jerks. Go please just put the rating on there so that oh, O'Connor. You know when you, when you get that thing like, hey, why don't you rate us? You always hit the not now button. 
Yeah, of course. But this actually is even worse because you have to actively go there and do it. No pop ups or anything. But oh. it really it helps. It helps just you, O'Connor. So I don't know why you are combating it. But help O'Connor out and uh, and do the rating. And yeah, let's let's keep uh, growing the family over here and play some Destiny 2 together. Love y'all. Happy Halloween. Good night. That was a headgum podcast. Top of your head, what's the best gravestone for Austin? Something about how, like, we've told him not to do something, but he decided to do it anyway because he can't accept that he's wrong. I'm going to think of a good rhyme. Oh, you want me to rhyme that out? Yeah, it has to be a good rhyming headstone. And then we're going to edit it so Austin makes it sound like we just came right up with it. Something about one o'clock meaning one o'clock. And Austin never listened. <laughs> no, no one gets that. All right, just skip it. Austin, just cut the thing where I asked what you, the best headstone for you would be.